0: You're listening to the Midtown Church Sermon Podcast. Midtown Church is a family loved and served by God, compelled to love and serve each other and Austin with God. Learn more at midtownaustin.org. Amen. Thanks, Jake. Uh, Hey, my name is Josh Chevalier. I'm the college pastor here at Midtown. If I haven't had the chance to meet you, uh, hello. And uh, a few things before we get started. Uh, If you see some boxes in the background or or storage bins, I'm in my garage. I have four kids, eight and under. Um, Youngest is 16 months. And so this is the safest place for me to do a talk. And so here we are. Welcome to my space. And uh, my son just walked in. So um, no space is actually safe in my house. But here we are. So if we get interrupted, uh, that's my, my bad. Uh, But yeah, so we are kicking off a new year. And with the new year, we're kicking off a new series called Hope for a New Year. And uh, usually this is the point where we say things like Happy New Year. And yet after a year like 2020, it just doesn't, something just doesn't feel right inside of me to talk about a happy new year. And so, but we really do, we hope that 2021 is better than 2020. But really when we talk about hope for a new year, what is it that we find our hope in that will allow us to have a better year than last year? And that's what we're gonna talk about uh, throughout this series. Um, And we're gonna really talk about today, what are we finding our hope in? And so preparing for this series, uh, like Jake and and Matt have done, I I look back at 2020 and just all the kind of tragedy uh, that happened. In fact, I looked back and I saw an article, and it, it listed twenty plus major world events that occurred in 2020. And uh, you know that just seemed like overwhelming as I read about these different events that happened. And I'm not going to list all of them off, um, but a few of them that we've touched on before and we're all aware of, but we've all also been impacted by, are things like COVID-19. Right? Like we have a global pandemic that all of us have experienced the loss. Um, and just suffered in the midst of this, whether it's it's the death of a dream or the death of safety or security, or just literal death that we've experienced from somebody we know or somebody um, that you know that we're uh, that we're close to, or people that we know that we're close to um, know as well. And then there was all the. Uh, The deaths that happened, the wrongful deaths of Ahmaud Arbery and Breonna Taylor and George Floyd and just the experience that came along with that in the division that we've seen and just um, just really the pain that I think we've seen in the midst of that. And, you know, having some good conversations and being able to see some progress along the way, but also being reminded that some things over the last 50 years just have not changed. And that's really, really tragic. And really really sad and for many of us it can leave, just leave us feeling a bit of hopelessness and then on top of all that we're in the we just had an election and i think anytime there's a presidential election there can be tension around that but certainly um in this year and this time in the different reactions it just seemed like they're so polarizing these opinions and these dissensions on who's the right person to lead the way and you know, certainly living in Austin, it felt one way, but then I traveled a lot over the last month and you travel through different states and you just see that different people have different opinions on this stuff. And um, it just is just clear that there's some clear um, bifurcations that have happened within our culture and our society. And I think all of these events have left many in American culture and the American shirt have left them personally shattered and corporately fragmented politically, socially and racially. And so for us as Christians, I think we know biblically that Jesus is Lord of heaven and earth, and we know that he cares about the kind of world that we're creating. And yet, I think for so many of us, these theological principles, they feel so largely disconnected from the realities that we're currently facing. And on top of that, our societal problems seem so nuanced and so complex that the answers that were given just a short while ago, they just, they feel increasingly increasingly irrelevant in the midst of an increasingly post-Christian culture. And so as I personally reflect on 2020, I think what I, the two words that come to mind for me are death and division in so many ways. So after a historically difficult year, the question for us is what can we find hope in as we enter 2021? And then how can we be a part of bringing that hope to the world? And so for us as Christians, I think our hope really starts with really the last series that we had. This idea of the birth of Jesus, the king has come. And not just any king, but a certain type of king who is establishing a certain type of kingdom. It's a good king who has sent us to reveal, who sent to us to reveal the power of compassionate servanthood. And a kingdom that's full of love and beauty and goodness that God desires to see in the world. And as Matt beautifully articulated last week, when the king returns, he's going to restore all things. He's going to make all things that are right wrong in this world, he's going to make them right, bringing justice for the oppressed and healing for the broken. And if you weren't here to listen to Matt's talk last week, go back and listen to it. Not right now, but maybe this afternoon or maybe this week, go back and listen to his talk because really he sets the the theological foundation for what I'm going to talk about today. And this idea of talking about the kingdom of God and how we should live in light of the King's return one day. But after a year like 2020, I think we can become so overwhelmed with a sense of loss, discouragement, and despair. The idea that God is doing anything good in the world, let alone establishing his kingdom on earth as it is in heaven can feel like false promises and cheap hope. If we're really honest with ourselves. However, I think for me, I would argue that historically, we have seen some of the best examples of God's kingdom breaking through in the world in the midst of some of humanity's worst cultural moments. And so I wanna list a few of those moments off to you. And the turn of the 18th century, early uh, 19th century, um, sorry, in the turn of the 19th century, late 18th century, there was a group called the Clapham sect. And it was a group in England that was really centered around William Wilber first and some other guys whose primary aim, they're Christians, and their primary aim was, to, uh, was the liberation of slaves and the abolition of slavery. And so they worked uh, fervently for several decades, both through British society and through parliament, for 50 years, they worked to see the end of slavery and the end of slave trade. And they saw it. The fruits of the labor came to fruition in the Slave Trade Act in 1807 and the Slavery Abolition Act in 1833 in England. Because of their faith and because of what they saw in Jesus, they saw that slavery, the oppression of others because of the race is not right. And they did something about it. It was the Anglican bishop Desmond Tutu who fought against South Africa's apartheid system and eventually became the chair of the Truth and Reconciliation Commission to investigate the human rights abuses to both by both pro and anti apartheid groups in South Africa. It was Sophie Packard, Sophia Packard and Harriet Giles, two female missionaries from Massachusetts who established Spiel- Spielman College in 1880 inspired by a bold dream to create change and more educational opportunities for black women post-Civil War and post-emancipation. It was Mother Teresa in 1950 who founded the Missionaries of Charity, a movement made up of 4,500 nuns in 133 countries who made a vow to give wholehearted free service to the poorest of poor. And it was Christians in the third century during the plague of Cyprian, a plague that lasted 13 years and killed nearly 5,000 people a day in the Roman Empire, who stood about caring for the sick and giving proper burials to the dead. When the rest of Roman culture during that time, most notably its leaders, fled in fear out of self-preservation, it was Christians who stayed and saw this pandemic as an opportunity to put their most deeply held beliefs into action through self-sacrifice. In fact, historically, people believe that the explosion that happened in the church in the third century was directly tied to the the Christians acted during this pandemic. See, God is constantly at work in advancing his kingdom in the world for our good in the midst of some of humanity's worst cultural moments. And for us, that should bring us great hope. And even better, the advancement of the kingdom of God does not depend on our cultural circumstances or our abilities, nor our or our performance and response rather like the people that i mentioned above we are invited to follow in the way of jesus in his great redemptive work that he has in our own cultural moments today see the good news is that the church has advanced and borne beautiful fruit in cultural situations as complex and challenging as our own including the early church so i want to spend a few minutes today just the next 10 or 15 minutes looking at Matthew 5, in the beginning of the Serm- Sermon of the Mount, which most people view as Jesus' kingdom manifesto. And I want us to see why we should find hope in the kingdom of God and the restoration of the world. But before I do that, I'm going to set the historical context and purpose um, that Matthew had in writing this book to the early Jewish Christians. Because it, it matters why he wrote it to him. And I think we're going to see why it was so, these words mattered so much to these people. And so Matthew wrote this book during a really precarious time for these early Jewish Christians, which is why many suppose that it was really probably written between uh, uh, AD 80 uh, to 100. So around about 40, 50 years after Jesus died. It was around this time when Jewish Christians found themselves marginalized and expelled by local Jewish communities. At the same time, they were watching an influx of Jewish, or sorry, of Gentile converts into churches in the eastern part of the Roman Empire. And these two occurrences, their own expulsion from their community that they grew up with, and this influx of Gentile Christians really caused an abrasive relationship for following Jesus in the cultural and expectations of the Jewish world. And it raised questions for these Jewish Christians, questions like, how does a Messiah believer lay claim to Israelite ancestry when this particular Messiah, Jesus, and his followers have been rejected by most Jews? Or else, what kind of people are we when our God is Israel's God, the Messiah and his apostles were Jewish, but most of our members, most Christians in the world are now Gentiles? See, there's this this distinct feeling among these early Jewish Christians that maybe they didn't have a place anymore. Maybe they didn't belong anywhere. And for many of them, it caused this sense of loss, discouragement, and despair. And so Matthew, a Jewish tax collector who knew something about being offered belonging when he didn't have a place to fit in, writes this book offering connection, hope, and meaning. I want you to put yourselves in the shoes of a first century Jewish Christian. Your primary community family has expelled you. You're disconnected from your culture of origin that has shaped much of your personal identity. You're feeling isolated, discouraged, and broken. You've been unfairly treated for doing the right thing. And then you get this letter, this letter from Matthew. And you hear Matthew 5, as Jesus began to speak about the characters, characteristics, the values, and the purpose of those who belong to the kingdom. It says this in Matthew 5, verse 1. It says, Now when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on a mountainside and sat down. His disciples came to him, and he began to teach them. He said, Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven, for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. And if you're a Jewish Christian in the first century, and you hear these words, how much hope and joy would they bring to you knowing that you had a place to belong? Let's make this personal. Imagine many of us could find great hope in Matthew's words about those who are welcome in the kingdom of God. And so I want to kind of update this a little bit for us in 2020. It's so maybe for some of us after a year like 2020, 2020, we feel like we are poor in spirit, having little to offer the world. To you, Jesus says, you are welcome here. For some of us, we're overwhelmed with the sadness that life in 2020 has brought. To you, Jesus says, you are welcome here. For, other, for others of us, we look unassuming and weak in the eyes of others. To you, Jesus says, you are welcome here. To those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, longing to see the day when injustices are made right. To you, Jesus says, you are welcome here. For those who long to see unity and peace in the midst of conflict and discord. To you, Jesus says, you are welcome here. And to the weak, to the vulnerable, to the marginalized and the oppressed, to you, Jesus says, you are welcome here. So I have a few points here, a few short points. The first point is in the kingdom of God, all people are welcome. All people are welcome to share in the kingdom blessings that Jesus brings. See, there's no human situation that excludes one from, being, from belonging to Jesus. The world and its evaluation of who wins and who loses will not have its final say. And Jesus, God has the last word. And for me, like this gives me great hope and confidence. But what I love about this is it doesn't stop there. See, my second point, I told you these would be short, is that the kingdom of God in the kingdom of God, all people are welcome and all people have purpose. And our purpose is to actively participate in God's restoration of the world. N.T. Wright, a patron saint of Midtown College, one of our favorites, he says this, he says, When God wants to sort out the world, as the Beatitudes in the Sermon on the, Mount, Sermon on the Mount make clear, he doesn't send in the tanks, traditional forms of power. He sends in the meek, the broken, the justice-hungry, the peacemakers, the pure-hearted, and so on. Read Acts and watch them do it. And this, I'm convinced, is what Jesus had in mind all along. I love that. And the way that Jesus says it, immediately following in the Beatitudes, Jesus says it in verses 13 through 16 in this way. He says, you are the salt of the earth. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they, may sit, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. And I love that. Because Jesus not only welcomes in an unexpected group of people, he uses those very people to create the beauty and goodness that he desires and will be one day in the world around us. See, our hope isn't found only and being welcomed into the kingdom of God, but that he is using us to bring healing and restoration to the world. And in a world where the system is built on the beautiful and the talented and the intelligent and those who have money and those who have the right networks, Jesus flips all of that on its head. He says, I'm going to use the things that aren't to nullify the things that are. And I love that he uses those that have been counted out to bring his kingdom to earth. And Jesus vision for us is that we would be a city on a hill that people would see our good deeds and glorify our father in heaven of their own accord, irrespective of the laws on the books, the rulings of the courts, and the leaders in power. And I'm going to leave it to Justin and Jake to flesh this out over the next couple of weeks. So I'm not going to give you a bunch of practical ap- applications for this. Um, Justin's going to talk next week about basically reclaiming nuance in the midst of division and how to create civil discourse. Let's pray. God, 2020 was a really hard year. A year full of death and division, leading many, including myself, to hopelessness and despair in so many moments. Thank you so much for sending your son down, Jesus, and Jesus, for you sacrificing your life to bring your kingdom here to earth creating a space for us to belong for us to know that no matter how hopeless things seem how dire the situation is that there is a place for us to find hope for us to find healing for us to find restoration but not just for ourselves but so that we could then in turn expand that kingdom in the world giving healing and restoration to those around us. God, I pray that as we step into 2021, that we would find such hope in you and your kingdom and that we would live our lives in such a way that we would give it away for the good of others. And that we would bring hope and healing to those around us To those who so desperately need it. God, we love you and praise you in your name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Midtown Church Sermon Podcast. We hope this ministry has blessed you. If you would like to support this ministry, you can donate at midtownaustin.org.